Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. I was all trying to rush EK, and then all of a sudden he's like, hey, time to do the warning, buddy. Time to do the warning. So you are thoroughly warned about this show. So hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, The Madman, and today is the Queen edition. Today I'll be talking about Queen and Queens. So uh, I just have to update you on a couple of new things, uh, some information that's coming out. Uh, I spoke to Scott Wharton, comedian Scott Wharton. You can find him on YouTube. He's all settled in in his new home in Texas. And so uh, we, I talked to him, and we are going to be starting up Scott versus Scott coming next month. So keep an eye out. For those videos, I think we're going to be releasing those on Monday, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, you know, they don't get a whole lot of views on my channel, but everyone in Fredericksburg is like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I know you from Scott Wharton's YouTube channel and Scott versus Scott. And so, uh, you know, so we got more of that coming out. Uh, good, to, good to talk to him again. Good, good guy, good guy. Uh, also, I want to remind you that FXBG Public Radio is growing and always looking for innovative artists such as yourself so go over to fxbgpublicradio.com uh you can look into all, all of the little clicking things that you can click on and you can see everything that we're doing you can also book the studios you can book djs excuse me beer you could book us you can rent studio space it's very reasonably priced come and join us and become part of the greatest community of podcasters and youtubers in fredericksburg in the fredericksburg area I also I also want to remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio and become a patron. Help support this show, and I would appreciate it very much. If you do not want to become a patron and you want to send me a one-time fee, you can use Cash App. Use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio, and you can send me cash, send me a note, whatever. If you want me to be featured in a mailbag, you can email me any questions, comments, anything like that at madman at fxbgpr.com. And you can hit me up that way and, uh, you know, you know, give me something to read other than advertisements to podcasters. <laughs> I get all these, uh, these emails from uh, podcast services and it's like, you know, have you even watched the show? Have you even listened to the show? It's like, clearly we know what we're doing here. All right. We've been doing the, I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. Podcasting, YouTubing and all that stuff. So definitely... <clears throat> Definitely become a patron. I would appreciate it. Tons of options on there. You can advertise on the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. I would appreciate it. So uh, let's, let's get right into it, shall we? <laughs> what if there actually were more than two genders? Say there were four genders for the sake of this absurd argument. Let's call those genders male, female, three male, and four male, just to piss off the feminists. So how would it work? How would it work? Perhaps the male would put their seed into the female who incubates the child for nine months, and then a tiny human crawls out like a kangaroo or something. And then the three male has to put it in its, in its pouch or whatever for three months. Then it crawls out again in order to spend its last trimester inside the four male. Or perhaps it's something different, like perhaps the males and three males could impregnate the females and the four males. The difference is that the males and three males need to ejaculate 
inside the females, but ejaculate on a warm rock for the four males who have to rub their butts in the ejaculate in order to get pregnant or something. Or it could be that a male has to have sex with a female to make her potent, quote-unquote. The female has to have sex with the three male to make them potent, and then the three male has to have sex with a four male in order to impregnate them. Or it could be that three males and four males have pronged genitalia, and they just hover their genitals very close together, and they meditate while the male and female have sex in the same room in order to get the female preggers. And, and with no three-male or four-male meditation, there is no chance of pregnancy. Or it could be that the female has to have sex with all three other genders within two or three hours in order to get pregnant. Do you see how convoluted and ridiculous it gets very quickly? What's your point, madman, you might be saying? Well, here's my answer to that. There is no biological imperative to having more than two genders. There is no evolutionary advantage to having more than two genders. So in conclusion, I am just repeating something I learned in fifth grade life science class. All creatures who reproduce sexually have two genders and only two genders. And if you believe anything else, you failed science classes like crazy or you're mentally ill. And if you want to cut off your junk or your tits, you are clearly mentally ill and your medical professionals have failed you by playing into your crazy. It's like a psychiatrist telling some guy who hears voices to listen to and follow the instructions of the voices. Oh, you think you're smarter than a doctor, bad man? When it comes to this, you're damn right I do. Anyway, brief little rant about four genders. All right. So, so I watched a flick called Stardust. And it's not that interesting yet silly Claire Danes film. It's a 2020 film about the first time David Bowie toured the United States. Now, I'm not here to review it because it's awful. I'm just using, as, uh, using it as a lead-in to some other things I want to say. First of all, Stardust has Mark Marin in the leading role. So that's strike one. And if you know me, you know I hate the guy. Strike two is the simple fact that this movie covers Bowie in the 70s, and in my opinion, his music didn't get good until the 80s. Still, the film failed to do justice to a music legend like Bowie. Sure, I know Bowie is not in the same league as people like Elton John or Queen, but he's a pioneer all the same. No Bowie, no Kiss, no Guar, no Slipknot. You see what I mean? And then the film portrays Bowie as an eclectic, hedonist drama geek in a dress, which he may have been, God rest his soul. But what turned America off to Bowie in the 70s is exactly what turned me off to this movie. But here's the thing. Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the movie, came out in 2018. Rocket Man, the movie, came out in 2019. And Stardust came out in 2020. 
So it seems to me that this movie was rushed through production to jump on the 70s music legend biopic bandwagon that focuses on the alternative lifestyles. But unlike these, those other two films I mentioned, they did not include the best of David Bowie's music. Because in the timeline of the film, he hadn't written them yet. And that's why I really disliked the film Stardust. They need to do a Bowie movie focused on the 80s. So let's move on to Rocket Man. All right. Elton John is clearly a better musician than David Bowie. And the movie did a good job of showcasing Elton John's greatest songs. However, the plot just had to focus on the homosexual aspects of his life. And sure, you can't tell a story of Elton John without mentioning that. But it's almost like these streaming services created a new category for films called the LGBTQ plus category. And so filmmakers had to find a way to fill that category. The music Elton John made is more important to me than the life he lived. Gay or straight, art, music, film are all bigger than human sexuality, bigger than human politics. Art is something even a conservative like myself who thinks homosexuality is wrong can appreciate, love, and respect. But when you focus on these gay things, it kind of drags it all down into the muck of human sin. Just my opinion, obviously. So moving on to Bohemian Rhapsody, which I recently watched again. Damn good film. And of course, you cannot tell a story about Queen with about, without some amount of focus on Frederick Bolsara, a.k.a. Freddie Mercury. And just like Rocket Man, you cannot tell the story of that man without discussing his sexuality. Fine, I understand that. But it just irritates me that this film is also in the LGBTQ plus category, because I, and, and it irritates me because I think it cheapens the whole film. There is more to everyone than their sexuality. And sometimes they give away Oscars simply because the film was about a gay person. But when it, can't, when it comes to Rami, Rami Malek's Oscar that he won for the role of Freddie Mercury, it is well-deserved. As a heterosexual male who loves Queen and has seen numerous and repeated music videos of Freddie prancing around stages, I think that that Oscar was well-deserved because Raimi nailed the mannerisms of Freddie. And although I feel like that the remaining members of Queen were somewhat overshadowed by Freddie in the film, just like he did in life, I know that they must have signed off on the film to let it be you know, put out in the theaters. They love Freddie enough to allow the film to focus on his interesting life more so than theirs. After all, I don't think that their characters were ignored or glossed over. Plus, it's my understanding that the remaining members of Queen are far more private about their personal lives than Freddie was. But Freddie died in 1991. God rest his soul. But the rest of them are still rocking to this day. Yeah, with Adam Lambert, but still. They're still rocking to this day. And you know why that they are still doing that? Well, it could be that the quote-unquote blue-blood Brits seem to live forever because of their alien DNA. Or it could be that Brian May, Roger Taylor, and John Deacon did not have sex with men. 
It reminds me of a joke. What do you call a heterosexual man who is HIV positive? A liar. On one final note, I want to talk I want to talk about how Freddie's faith was glossed over in the movie. If you don't know, Freddie Mercury or Frederick Bolsara was Zoroastrian. And I think twice in the film, Freddie's father said, quote, good thoughts, good words, good deeds, which is like kind of a mantra for the Zoroastrians. It's the path of wisdom and all that. But there's no real reference to Zoroastrian, Zoroastrianism until the end of the film where they explain the reason why he was cremated. Now, I don't know about you, but I am far more interested in Freddie's faith than I am in his sexuality. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. <clears throat> All right, we're going to get into the highlight of today's episode. Um, I'm doing the top 10 worst Queen songs today. Now, obviously, I can't play them for you because of copyright thing, copyright issues. But I will talk about them. And for your convenience, if you go over to Shock Monkey Radio Redux on Facebook, excuse me, if you go to Shock Monkey Radio Redux on Facebook, uh, I recently posted a list of the top 10, well, top nine. I left the last one off as like a teaser for, <laughs> for today's show. Uh, but I, I have links up there to all these songs by Queen that ended up in the top 10 worst Queen songs list. And later tonight, I'll probably post the number one on that list so you can see that one too. Listen to it and hear it. Because you really, you really do need to hear these songs to understand. So here are the top 10 worst Queen songs. Number 10 is Son and Daughter off the self-titled 1973 Queen deb debut album entitled Queen. It was written by Brian May. And as this list goes, this song kind of rocks a little bit. But it has lines in it like, I want you to be a woman, quote unquote. And that's somewhat off-putting. Plus, there's a sort of angry and disappointed undertone to the lyrics. And in the end, I have no idea what the song is about. But a cursory search on the internet seems to suggest it has something to do with women's liberation. Maybe Brian's an old-fashioned guy. I don't know. Still kind of rocks, and this song barely made the list. Number nine. Sheer Heart Attack. Not the, not the album. The song, Sheer Heart Attack, which came out on the 1977 News of the World album. It was written by Roger Taylor. And if you've seen the movie, you know that the band has, you know, made fun of the shallow nature of Roger Taylor's lyrics. And just like this previ the previous entry on this list, this song still kind of rocks, and it barely made the list. However, it does sound contrived or perhaps an attempt to make a rock song directly aimed at American audiences. Or maybe Roger Taylor helped come up with a name for the 1974 Queen album of the same name, and he thought that perhaps the band should have a song with such a cool name in his opinion. But the real reason this song made the list and is higher than Son and Daughter is because of the last minute of the song, it has an annoying screeching sound that was intentionally put there by someone, and it's the kind of thing that would make people get up and try to figure out what is wrong with the record player and or speakers. 
I know Queen is officially a progressive rock band, but not all effects are the same. Dig, Roger? But hey, 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 it was the DNA. Hey, 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 that made me this way. Number eight, Don't Try Suicide. It's the title of the song off the 1980 album, The Game. So these next two songs on this list deal with the sensitive subject of suicide. Now, perhaps Freddie Mercury, who wrote this song, knew someone who had killed themselves. And gay people in the 70s and the 80s did that a lot because they faced real hatred and violence because of their sexual choices. And we can argue about how I phrase that some other time. But I tend to think that Queen faced pushback from the press um, because of their lead track from their 1975 uh, A Night at the Opera album had a, had a song on it called Death on Two Legs, where there is a line in the song that says, quote, do you feel like suicide? And the backing vocals say, I think you should. So I bet the press gave them a hard time about that, and so that resulted in the <laughs> Don't Try Suicide in the next song I'm going to discuss. And so I bet people were saying, you know, that, uh, that Queen was telling kids to kill themselves. And so, you know, they had to, they had to like overcorrect or steer back into it or something like that. Turn into the skid, as they say. But like I said, this is a Freddie song. Freddie wrote this. And so it's a poppy and bouncy and it's a little silly. And therefore, it's the, quote, disposable t- pop type of song that Freddie seemed to like besides opera. Although I, c- I can agree with the message of the song, with lyrics like, don't try suicide, nobody's worth it. It also has lyrics like, don't try suicide, nobody cares. And nobody gives a damn, quote unquote. And when you do it, all you do is get on my tits. Seriously. Seriously. That's the lyric. When you do it, all you do is get on my tits. Now, I'm not familiar with this euphemism. And it's a bizarre phrase to hear. Believe me, it's a bizarre phrase to say. Maybe I'm just too American. But as the song says, you can't be a prick teaser all the time. Another lyric from this song. Seriously, you have to check out these songs and their lyrics because some of them are knucking futs. Number seven, keep passing the open windows off the 1984 The Works album. Also written by Freddie Mercury, this song is a more refined and subtle song about the subject of suicide. Like so many Queen songs, even on this list, the talent of the band can still shine through even though the subject matter is somewhat taboo. So it's tough to make a song about this subject and make it a hit. It wasn't until Third Eye Blind wrote Jumper that somebody did that. And so now no song about suicide ever needs to be written again. And an example of the lyrics are, just believe, just keep passing the open windows. It's not a great song. (laughs) All right. Number six, In the Lap of the Gods, from the Sheer Heart Attack album in 1974. This song is not the In the Lap of the Gods dot, dot, dot revisited. All right. I'm talking about the In the Lap of the Gods, the first one of that name on the album, and it is absolutely awful. It's, pros- it's possibly the worst song that Freddie Mercury wrote. I don't know. There's more, there's more songs on the list. We've got five more to go. 
So um, this is what happens when you let some choir geek write a song and live out his fantasy as being a, of being a choir director with a rock and roll band. Now, I really cannot point out much in the way of lyrics about why this song sucks. You, you really just got to go and listen to it and realize, and then you'll, uh, oh, that's why that made this list. All right, let's get, here we are into the top five worst Queen songs. Number five, Fun It, off the 1979 Jazz album. So this is another shallow song by Roger Taylor, and there's not much to say when it comes to a shallow song that's whole, uh, that's whole message is simply, have fun, or, gee, I want to have fun, or, have fun. Because <laughs> that's basically what the song is about, and it's, it's kind of awful. And here's an here's a example of the depth of the lyrics of that song. Quote, groove on out, groove on up. Okay. That's one to ponder and deliberate upon, to be sure. The number four worst Queen song is Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy off the 1976 album Day at the Races. Now, what's funny about this song is that in the 70s, people didn't think Freddie was bi or gay or whatever. And yet, this song and the next on the list existed. And people all over the world thought Freddie was getting mad pussy. And maybe he was. But I'm sure he was getting mad ass too. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with this song. It was quite popular, actually. But I am not gay, and I cannot transpose this particular song in any heterosexual way inside my head. It's like everything from the time signature to the key to the sound design and arrangement are all so gay that I am shocked that anyone was shocked when Freddie Mercury came out as gay. Here's an example of the lyrics of Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy. Just take me out to yours, that will be fine. Come on and get it. And he did it in his Freddie Mercury voice, so it didn't sound so weird. The number three worst Queen song is the Fairy Feller's Masterstroke. Off the 1974 Queen 2 album. It's another song written by Freddie Mercury. This is actually the song I spoke about previously on the show. It sort of inspired this list. And just like good old-fashioned lover boy, it, it seems gay and pretentious from beginning to end. However, it slightly leans on fantasy and Midsummer Night's Dream elements in order to attempt to obscure the pretentious and gay aspects of the song. However, technically speaking... Queen executed this song perfectly. And no matter how gay or pretentious someone like me finds a song, you cannot deny the talent and ability of the entire band to create this song. Seriously, at some point during recording this song, Roger must have turned to Brian at some, some point and say, Hey, mate, the lyric says, Fairy Dandy tickling the fancy of his lady friend, a nymph in yellow, what a query fellow. And Brian turned to Roger and said, well, mate, if you're going to be a professional musician, you've got to do the, the awful stuff. You've got to put the same amount of effort into the awful songs as you do the good songs. And that's the professionalism of the band of Queen. Seriously, listen to that song. It is pretentious as hell. 
The number two worst Queen song is Delilah off the 1991 album Innuendo. Freddie Mercury wrote a love song to his cat. Now, you already know the cat's name. And this cat was just one of the dozen or so cats that Freddie had in his later years. He turned into a crazy cat lady in his later years, seriously. Now, everyone who has had a cat prior to cell phones knows that they may try to answer your phone. And honestly, Freddie, anyone who has a glaring living in their home is not in charge of their house. Louder with clouder. Anyway, to be honest, Freddie, I'm glad that your clouder, quote unquote, peed all over your Chippendale suite, which is a lyric in the song. Seriously, that has to be the most the gayest 80s style line ever written. <laughs> anyway, the number one, the number one worst Queen song is off the 1982 Hot Space album. Now, if you do not know, I believe it was 1981 that John Lennon was, was shot and killed by, I want, I want to say, Chapman, Mark, Mark, Mark David Chapman. Uh, EK says it sounds right. And so, obviously, everyone in the artistic community is was very devastated by this. Obviously, Mr. Holland, just he couldn't stand it, you know, and like couldn't connect with his deaf son because of it. I mean, it, it really messed everybody up, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because Beatles were shit. But that being said, verified, Mark, David. Yeah, Mark David Chapman's verified. So, um, after, after this happened with uh, John Lennon getting killed, which is awful, I mean, the Beatles, the Beatles were bad. All right, I didn't think they were good at all. But it's not like I wanted John Lennon to die, all right? No matter what, you know, rabble-rousing he was causing, the trouble he was making here in America at the time. That being said, Freddie Mercury wrote a song called Life is Real, a song for Lennon, parenthetically. Now, my note here says just read the effing lyrics. So I'm going to read the lyrics to the number one worst Queen song, Life is Real, a song for Lennon. Guilt stains on my pillow, blood on my terraces, torsos in my closet, shadows from my past. Life is real, life is real, life is real, so real. Sleeping is my leisure, waking up in a minefield. Dream is just a pleasure dome. Love is a roulette wheel. Life is real, life is real, life is real, oh yeah. Success is my breathing space. I brought it on myself. I will price it. I will cash it. I can take it or leave it. Loneliness is my hiding place. Breastfeeding myself. What more can I say? I have swallowed the bitter pill. I can taste it. I can taste it. Life is real. Life is real. Life is real. <coughs> Music will be my mistress. Loving like a whore. Lenin, <coughs> Lenin is a genius. Living in every pore. Life is real. Life is real. Life is real. So real. Life is cruel, life is a bitch, life is real, so real, life is real, life is real, yeah, life is real. This is the most awful song, I have to say, I've ever heard. And I think it's one of those songs that would, it, it would make even John Lennon spin in his grave. <laughs> I mean, you could say, I, I mean, I can say whatever I want about how awful John Lennon was. 
But even John Lennon would have to say, that's a shit song, mate. Anyway, what the hell are you talking about, Freddie? Breastfeeding yourself? I understand that the Beatles had a song called Love is Real. I mean, I get the simile, but what the hell are you talking about, weirdo? And Queen is and what is and was far superior to a band like the Beatles. And John Lennon was a troublemaker and an awful musician and wrote even worse lyrics. Even worse lyrics. Fuck John Lennon. And I, I love this list because even the top 10 worst Queen songs are better than the average Beatles song. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Obviously, you can disagree with me all you want. But I just wanted to get this list out there. I had a lot of fun listening to all these old Queen songs and albums and <laughs> laughing at some of these lyrics. Uh, so that was the, that was the top 10. Worst Queen songs. That was fun to do. So let's, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the news worth knowing. All right, so we got we can't not talk about Afghanistan. It's the the biggest story of the year, if you ask me. <clears throat> so uh, again, because I use Fox News and they have like a this, it is the biggest story, and they are covering it intently because it's such a shit the bud moment for Biden. So I uh, got another like bunch of bullet points here from Fox News, which I always use for my news because I can filter their BS. Uh, so Biden is open to extending the August 31st deadline from withdrawing from Afghanistan. So here's the fast facts as uh, Fox puts it. Alliteration. So a senior U.S. official confirms to Fox News that a CIA director, William, that CIA director William Burns met with Taliban leader and co-founder Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar, Baradar forgive me, in Kabul on Monday. Taliban, okay, a Taliban spokesman Zabahullah Mujahid said Tuesday that his group will accept no extensions of the August 31st deadline of uh, the Biden administration has imposed for the withdrawal of American troops from Afghanistan. This is from, that's from the Associated Press. Uh, European allies are applying pressure to the Biden administration to extend the August 31st deadline despite warnings from the Taliban against crossing, quote, a red line, according to the report. <laughs> so, yeah, there's still a bunch, a bunch of people Still left. I'm, no one's certain about the numbers because the, you know the administration isn't going to be forthcoming with those things with any with any accuracy. And it see and um, the Biden administration seems to think that they can't. Uh, they it may take longer than you know the week or so we have until uh, August thirty first to get all those people out. It may take longer than that, and that sounds reasonable to me especially with ISIS and the Taliban all running around in Afghanistan, all right? You see clips from there. You see RPGs and rifles everywhere, okay? But the Taliban is sitting there saying it's like after the, you, you know, they're basically after the August 31st deadline, it's on. It's on. I'm surprised they're waiting this long, to be honest. But, I mean... <sighs> You know, the, this administration really shit the bed. So let's read some other headlines 
in regards to this. So Wicker urges Biden to use all means necessary to ensure safe evacuation of Americans. And that's, uh, U- that's from U.S. Senator uh, Roger Wicker, the Republican from Mississippi. And a senior member of the Senate Armed Services Committee uh, today sent a letter. I think it was a letter or an email. Or do you think they actually have to really, like, physically write a letter to the president in order for it to be, like, official? I don't know. I don't read all all the Constitution, all the laws that Congress has made since the Constitution. Anyway, so, and he's right. He's right. And unfortunately, you know, the Democratic administration, they don't want to hear this. It's like, uh, they want, they, they think they can get all these people out peacefully. From misogynistic terrorists. <laughs> they're they're going to play ball with us. Anyway, this next headline is Jen Psaki rea- reacts to pushback over claim, <clears throat> over claim that no Americans are quote-unquote stranded in Afghanistan, despite you know, tons of people knowing, or pretty much 100% of the American population knowing that those people in Afghanistan are effort. They are totally screwed. God help them. And I wish, I wish I could be the guy to give the order to the military to go in there, get them, and get out, you know, if that's the way it has to be. But I know they're not really going to do that. They're just trying to secure the airport. And they're probably going to tell these people who need to get out, these American citizens who need to get out of Afghanistan, you got to make your way to the airport on your own. I think they should be running like convoys, going to pick these people up, getting them on the airplanes, you know, and have them, American citizens being priority over the Afghan allies. I think the Afghan allies should be protected, but not necessarily brought into the United States. Anyway. And so uh, and Kevin McCarthy has said there's no possible way can evacuate all the Americans from Afghanistan by August 31st. I mentioned that. And Jen Psaki says, uh, Jen Psaki says the White House expects eligible Afghans to safely evacuate despite Taliban warning. I hope that is true. I don't want any any of these people who assisted the United States to be murdered, brutally murdered, because of helping us, and as well they should have. And so, and and of course, the White House says, oh, we don't know if it's going to be longer than August 31st, or whatever. So, I mean, this is a real, real mess that Joe Biden has made. And you know what? That's what you get when you let a demented old senile kid sniffer in charge of the country. Anyway, moving on to this next story. (laughs) Speaking of stolen elections, hundreds of California recall ballots, drugs, loaded gun, found in passed out felon's car. (laughs) Hundreds of ballots for California Governor Gavin Newsom's recall election, drugs, and a loaded gun were found last week in a vehicle where a felon was passed out inside, authorities said Monday. Police responded to a call of a man passed out in a vehicle in a 7-Eleven parking lot in Torrance on August 16th, the Torrance Police Department said. But that has to happen a lot in Torrance, right? Guys passing out <laughs> with Xan- on Xanax. Anyway, during the investigation, officers learned that the suspect was a felon and had Xanax pills. Oh, good call in his possession. Good call, madman. Police said a further investigation found thousands of pieces of mail including over 300 ballots from the upcoming recall election and battle Governor Gavin Newsom inside the vehicle. 
In addition to the mail and ballots, police found a loaded firearm, methamphetamine, a scale, and multiple California driver's licenses and credit cards in other people's names. Shapers. Police said uh, new election ballots are being sent to those, to those identified through the investigation and that the incident was not tied to any additional theft of, of election ballots. It's probably a crime of opportunity is what I'm, what I'm getting out of it. Uh, it was not immediately clear how the ballots ended up in the suspect's vehicle or what he intended to do with them. Police said the incident is being investigated in partnership with the U.S. Postal Service and the Los Angeles County District's Attorney Public Integrity Unit. The suspect was arrested and faces numerous weapons, narcotics, and forgery charges. His name was not released. <clears throat> Newsom's recall election will be held on September 14th. The recall push was launched in June over the last year's claims that the government mishandled the state's response to the pandemic. The effort surged in November after Newsom appeared to skirt the state-imposed coronavirus restrictions when he was spotted dining in a high-end restaurant without a mask and surrounded by people from outside of his own household. You know, California is probably the most, the most corrupt state in the union. And so, I don't know, it, it may have been a crime of opportunity. This guy just like ransacking mailboxes and getting in 300 of them had, happened to be ballots. That's, I think that's most likely. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Democratic Party hires criminals to uh, take, <laughs> to make, uh, make ballots against Gavin Newsom's uh, recall disappear. You know what I'm saying? I think I even heard, I can't remember, I was watching some video where some, where there's like little windows on the ballots, and if you check the box saying to recall, it like shows up on the outside, so it's like somebody just looks at the thing without actually opening the uh, envelope and committing a federal crime. They could see, it's like, oh, this person wants to recall Gavin Newsom, so they could just whoop, burn it, shred it, whatever, get rid of it. Anyway, free and fair elections. That's why all these Democrats are pushing on this, these, this election reform stuff. Because they want to hold on to power indefinitely. That's why these Democrats got to deserve no power at all. Anyway. Because look at what they have done to New York in this next story. Caught on camera, New York City attacker stabs man in face and abdomen before fleeing. A man in New York City was stabbed in the face and abdomen during a caught-on-camera broad daylight attack, police said Tuesday. The 25-year-old victim was standing on the sidewalk along Hedgeman Avenue in Brooklyn about 5.20 p.m. Saturday when a man wearing a blue hooded sweatshirt attacked him with a sharp object, according to the video and information released by the New York Police Department on Tuesday. Today, Police said the victim did not know his attacker. The shocking footage shows the suspect approaching with his right hand in his pocket and then pulling it out and charging the victim who was carrying a pizza box. Oh, that's, that should be like bumped up. A crime. In front of a passerby and bystanders in front of the store. He jabs a sharp, sharp object into the victim's face, causing the victim to lean over his attacker and grabs, who grabs him again and continues his violent assault. The victim is seen in the footage trying to fight back. Police are still looking for the suspect who fled from the area after the attack. The wounded man was taken to a hospital and is in fair condition. Thank God. And his face is forever messed up, to be sure. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, being, attacking, being attacked with a knife is awful. It's horrible. 
it's hor- it's a horrible, violent crime. But I think a little something needs to be tacked on here. Because the best slice of pizza I ever had in my entire life was when I was in Brooklyn. And if you have a whole pizza, you got a whole pie, you're walking out of there, and then you have to all of a sudden go to the hospital because someone stabbed you in the face, you, not only have you been robbed out of the perfection of that pizza, you got stabbed in the face. So I think a little something extra needs to be tacked onto this dude's charges. So this is what happens when you keep electing Democrats, assholes. All right, you keep electing Democrats, and all of a sudden New York becomes Gotham from the movie Joker. Idiots. And you know what? On a side note, fuck you, Tim Pool. Fuck you and your stupid bald head. You know why? Because you're sitting there all day, it's like, oh, oh, the Democrats are going crazy, but don't 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 vote for Republicans. No, for now, just vote for Republicans, and then worry about what happens later. Then when the Republicans get a little too crazy, then you start voting for Democrats again once they come to their senses. Don't you know how this country works? Skaters. Anyway, let's go on to this next story. <laughs> That's really why I hate Tim Pools, because he's a skater. Let's talk about the brilliant Dr. Fauci on vaccine mandates. I respect people's freedom, but this is a public health crisis. No, it isn't, dude. No, it isn't. Anyway, Dr. Anthony Fauci said he respects Americans' freedoms, but the current public health crisis has convinced him that it's enough is enough, and you must obey me. I am Dr. Fauci. In a convention, I'm paraphrasing, in a conversation with CNN about public and private vaccine mandates. Following the Food and Drug Administration's approval of the fire, uh, Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine this week, CNN's Anderson Cooper asked Fauci Monday how much of a difference it would make if public and private employers began mandating vaccinations. Fauci acknowledged that the FDA approval would be an incentive for companies and institutions to begin mandating the shot, ad- advocating that he believes it would be a good thing. A good thing is a good thing. Quote, I respect people's freedom, but anything after this is af- after but doesn't matter. He's a fucking fascist. Just like Arnold. Grew up in Austria. Fuck, screw your freedoms. I respect people's freedom. I'm going to read the, read the quote from Dr. Fauci straight. I respect people's freedom, but when you're talking about a public health crisis that we've got going on for now well over a year and a half, the time has come, enough is enough, Fauci said uh, uh, to Anderson Cooper. We just got to get people vaccinated. There you go. Fauci also appeared to have mixed feelings about individual freedoms, such as the pandemic ahead of South Dakota's Sturgis motorcycle rally earlier this month. There's <laughs> been nothing about these music festivals that all the Democrats go to. Anyway, when he inter- uh, uh, urged attendees to forego the entertainment and stay home for their greater good. <laughs> the Democrat rallies, you know, hey, they could, you could do whatever. Anyway, so here's the basic gist of this article. I'm running out of time. The basic gist of this article is that uh, your employer might mandate you get this vaccine, might require you to get this vaccine. And uh, I know I might be in a minority opinion, but if your company requires you to take a medication in order to keep your job, quit. Spit in their face and quit. And I say spit in their face literally because if they're so fucking terrified of this thing, they should just get vaccinated and not worry about it. All right? If it's raining and you got an umbrella, 
and you see somebody else in the brain without an umbrella, you don't yell at him and say, hey, you better have an umbrella up or, or I'm going to get wet. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And you can sit there and say, hey, madman, I need that paycheck. I need that paycheck. And if you, are, if you don't have the will, if you don't have the will to quit your job, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You might as well just keep your head down and become part of the mindless sheep. All right? Because you're already a slave to them. You're already a slave. That's why they're pushing this. That's why they think they can get away with this. It's because you think you're already a slave to your paycheck. And if you can't quit your job over some uh, uh, violation of your human rights, I don't know what to tell you. You're already a lemming. You're already a sheep. All right? I don't even like drug tests. What? That's a violation of the Fourth Amendment, if you ask me. I think it's the Fourth Amendment. Illegal search and seizure. You're going to search my urine looking for something you don't like in particular? You're going to search my hair follicles looking for something you don't like or in particular? That's why I like Freddie Mercury. I'm spitting all the time when I rant. Anyway, screw Fauci. Screw these quote-unquote doctors that ignore science all the time just to push their political agenda. Anyway, running out of time. Go to the next story. Retired Navy SEALs post about Afghanistan imagining he was president goes viral. Jocko Willick, Wilnick, excuse me, a retired Navy SEAL, took to Instagram to post a brief video Monday imagining he was the U.S. commander-in-chief during an address to the nation about Afghan the Afghanistan calamity. Come on, Fox News. You should know. Calamity is opinion. That's opinion. Although I can agree that you can objectively say it's a calamity. It's still an opinion. That's not true objective journalist. Anyway, and steps he would have taken to resolve the problem. The Biden administration has been on the receiving end of sharp criticism from those who say the U.S. withdrawal could hardly have gotten any worse. Jen Psaki, the White House press officer, grew visibly annoyed during a briefing when she was asked about quote-unquote stranded Americans. She said it's not, it was inaccurate to say they were stranded and reconfirmed that the U.S. commitment to bring home everyone, uh, Every, every American who wants to leave. First of all, I don't, she said, is like, we're, they're not stranded. We, we still have email and text <laughs> phone calls from them. It's like, yeah, but you're not really there. It's like, you know, uh, uh, a Zoom meeting isn't exactly being there for somebody. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, so Jocko Wil Wilnick, Willink, forgive me, appeared in the black and white video with a sh uh, black t shirt and cro close cropped haircut. I know what he looks like. He sounded firm and spoke in short bursts and declarative sentences, like a man. He explained in the video caption that this is how he would address the situation in the world. He admitted that he made critical errors in underestimating the Taliban's capabilities. He said the blame was on him alone. He admitted the American and Afghan allies were stranded and said they will not be for long. He spent most of his speech proving the steps he would, uh, proving the steps he would take to rectify the problem. Quote, in the next 48 hours, America will be in control. Ooh, I am so sorry about that. In the next 48 hours, America will be in control of the most major airports in Afghanistan. Any resistance we meet from the Taliban or others, otherwise, we, we will seize these airports and they will be destroyed completely and without mercy. He said gaining control of these airports will allow U.S. forces to conduct swift rescue missions throughout the country. Quote, any person who interferes with, the, with these operations will be killed, he said. 
He also said he would order troops to either retake or destroy weapons and equipment left behind by fleeing Afghan troops. Quote, any person utilizing guarding or located in close proximity to these weapons or equipment will be killed, he said. And once the Americans and Afghans are extracted and the weapons retrieved or destroyed, the U.S. will leave the country. But he vowed to keep a close eye on possible terrorist activities or human rights violations by employing surveillance technology. He also said the U.S. will support freedom fighters in the country through airstrikes and special forces units. He said the U.S. will continue to support Continue the support until the enemy is no longer a threat to America or the good people of Afghanistan. You know, and it's things like this. It's like finally, it's like finally, there's a masculine voice somewhere. There's a man stepping up. And you know how the Taliban is beating us right now? They're beating us with their balls. That's all. You got Biden being led around by a bunch of women. No offense to women. But, you know, women don't understand. It's like, hey, sometimes you got to put lead on target. Sometimes you got to shoot an evil person in the face. All right? And that's why I think that, you know, military service should be a requirement before you can ever be elect, uh, elected to a public office. Service guarantees citizen, citizenship and all that. Oh, violence never solves anything. Violence solves everything. Kid me? You want to avoid it at all costs, but violence can solve most everything. Oh, how did the World War II end? Oh, through diplomacy. No, with violence. Anyway, last story, something to cheer me up before we get out of here. So Georgia dad's emotional TikTok leads to outpouring of support to help escape homelessness. A Georgia family is getting some much needed relief after the father opened up about their struggle with homelessness. Michael Walker and his wife, Willa Strong, have been living out of hotel rooms and battling kidney as he battles kidney disease and struggles to provide for their three daughters, uh, Rukaya, forgive me, 16, Nayara, 14, and Adia, 12, all of whom are artist, autistic. Excuse me. In the interview Sunday, Strong told Fox News that her husband has to undergo treatment three days a week, taking him away from his family uh, four to five hours each time. Uh, the Roswell couple has been struggling to find, the, find an apartment due to their suddenly shaky credit. When the coronavirus pandemic hit, Walker left his job at Walmart because, if infected, he faces a high risk of serious illness or death. Quote, every time a challenge comes up, we say, well, what's the best thing to do? And we move forward from there, Strong told Fox News. So far, their GoFundMe page has raised, over more, uh, raised more than $83,000 with more than 2,500 donations. The goal of the family is $250,000. Quote, your TikTok moved me to tears, one donor commented. You are an amazing father and, a, and husband, and I wish you all the best. An emotional walker opened up last month on, tip to, on TikTok on a TikTok video that has since drawn a lot of attention. I don't talk about it much because I'm embarrassed, he said of, of his family's plight. Breaking down, he adds, I feel like a failure because I let my family down. Since being on dialysis the last couple of years, it's been a rough road for me and mine. As of Saturday morning, the heartbreaking video has gathered more than, garnered more than 363,000 views. Walker goes on to praise his wife for her strength in the face of adversity. She quit her job so she could homeschool the girls. My wife and I have three kids who are autistic and nonverbal. Ooh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> Surprised she had a job to begin with. Walker says in his video, and we live with that every day, and my wife didn't, uh, my wife don't complain, 
and she don't make me feel bad about where we live, we where we at in life. <laughs> Definitely from Georgia. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Strong told Fox News that remote learning during pandemic wasn't viable, wasn't a viable op- option for their daughters. So uh, returning to school is also a difficult pr- uh, predicament. Strong says her school school's mask requirement would create sensory issues for her, her autistic children. Because children need to be able to see people's faces to interact with them, react to them. Quote, for them, they can't keep the mask around their ears and covering their nose and mouth, Strong said. She's also worried that if her daughters get sick, they can transmit the disease to her vulnerable husband. Amid her family struggles, struggles, Strong started an organization called An Awesome Place to Be. Awesome spelled A-U-S-O-M-E, which is geared towards helping children with disabilities. In the video, Walker adds that he wants so much more for his family, that they deserve a house, they deserve not to worry about where they're going to be staying month after month and week after week. Uh, we have plans, of, and something always seems to come up. Something always happens, and we, get set, and, and we always set back. Strong told Fox News that the outpouring support after the video has been overwhelming and fills her with hope. We just didn't see a way out, she said. The encouragement for strangers, she added, has been uplifting. Quote, my husband was constantly getting messages, and they were just praising us and thanking, thanking us for staying strong and letting my husband know that he's not a failure. He's doing the best he can do, she said. We are doing the best that we can do. That just felt good that people acknowledged that. Days after his initial video, Walker posted another one expressing gratitude. Quote, I can say that I felt all the prayers, all the well wishes, all the positive energy that was given to me. Man, I felt that. The family is currently... Currently uh, asking for prayers for Walker's father, who's in the hospital on a ventilator due to uh, coronavirus complications. So, I mean, social media was created for a reason. All right. You could say like things like TikTok and Twitter and YouTube and all this stuff that it does have some negative effects on humanity. However, it is an incredibly powerful tool for you to help other people. And before the, before the internet, before things like TikTok and Twitter, there is no way uh, these people will probably have to go to a church, see what the church could do. Because, I mean, I know that's what my church uh, did and does to this day. You know, they, they help people. Some homeless guy comes and knocks on the door. They'll, they'll try and help. Some guy comes up. It's like, I have three autistic daughters. You know, I need dialysis. I can't work. The church will try to help. That's what they do. They will call the people in the church. It's like, this is the situation. We need some help. But social media, uh, the double-edged sword that it is, has made it so that all the good people in society can congregate on the same issue as well. And that is amazing. That is the point. I think that's the reason why the social media and the internet was invented. Because you can, have, you can have all the good-hearted people united in the same cause. And that's what I hope. That's what I hope for the future of America. That's what I hope for the future of this country. And I definitely hope for the future of this family. That they, they, they get through all this and they get, their, uh, get a, a little bit more stability and security in their lives. So I want to remind you again to go over to patreon.com shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. If you, if you can't do that, you can always send me cash through the cash app. Use the hashtag ShockMonkeyRadio, all one word. Also, be sure to check out fxbgpublicradio.com and all the 
all the little little nooks and crannies of it. Go to the booking, go check out the watch page, go to the listen page. You got all this. There's so much stuff there. You can get involved with FXBG Public Radio. You can do your own podcast. You can have your own weird ranty show where you just react. Uh, I just This is a Madman React video. We, we react to the Madman's rants. <laughs> I don't know what accent that was I was doing. Anyway, we could react. Hey, man, we could react to the Madman's videos. I don't know what voice that is. Anyway, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm your host, the Madman, and I love you. Ha, ha, ha.